0: Okay folks, we are going to Daniel and our lovely welcoming team have Bibles ready for you. So if you need a Bible, uh, just wave at uh, the folks coming down to you. They'll make sure you get a Bible. And we're going to Daniel. Uh, We're in part 10 of Daniel and chapter 5. The page number on the screen says 890. We're going to be on 889 and 890. Uh, So that's where you're going if we're handing out a Bible to you. If you don't own a Bible, we always say this, if you don't own a Bible, please take the one you've just been given home read it enjoy it that's your gift from us and um, the more bibles we give out the more bibles we have to buy the more bibles we can give out and that's what we want to do here so if you don't have one please take it with you but we're going to uh, Daniel chapter 5 can you believe we're in part 10 and you're like wow part 10 we still have 15 parts to go okay so keep in there with me uh, but we have covered a third of Daniel now in chapters 1 to 4 Vicky do you still have the clicker Does somebody have the... Oh, there it is there. Thank you. Uh, We're in Daniel chapter 5 today. Uh, But as we begin chapter 5, what I I want to recognize this morning is that when we look at Daniel, quite often we see the narrative in the Bible and don't actually realize there is a lot of history that can be proven uh, through uh, the book of Daniel. Uh, We don't read it in the passage, but at the end of chapter 4, where we were last week, Nebuchadnezzar dies in 562 BC he was on the throne of Babylon for 40 years and as we go into chapter 5 we'll get to King Belshazzar uh, but in between end of chapter 4 beginning of chapter 5 there's about 12 years or so again we're not told in the text but history tells us that multiple kings came and went in this 12-year period and I am going to do my best to read them out. Uh, so we had king nebuchadnezzar end of chapter four and by the time we get to chapter five verse one where we're going to be today king nebuchadnezzar gives way uh, to king amel marduk come on (laughs) do you know i could ask any one of you to come up and say these names no i'm joking Uh, but king amel marduk was murdered by the following king king nergal Uzer, who was in turn murdered by the following king King Labashi marduk And after 20 years of reign, we then have King Nabonidus. And Nabonidus uh, is going to uh, come up a little bit in what we're looking at uh, today. Babylon, though, has suffered. Great King Nebuchadnezzar, the great hanging walls of Babylon, the great golden image, the great walls of Babylon, the great fiery furnace— king, murdering king, murdering king, murdering king. It seems, although there is still kings and a kingdom, certainly not as vast as it once was, or as powerful as it once was under Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, But to learn more this morning, we're going to just jump right in there and get stuck in. So we're going to go to Daniel chapter 5 and verse 1. This is what it says. Uh, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them we'll just pause there, King Belshazzar appears out of nowhere. The end of chapter four is King Nebuchadnezzar declaring allegiance to the Lord, and chapter five, verse one, here we go, King Belshazzar. And now I say king, uh, but it's widely accepted amongst historians that Belshazzar was the son of Nabonidus, and Nabonidus was the king, but he was unpopular in that region, so made his son regent of the area. So he was king by de facto rule of his father. Now, why do I say all this? Because this is not made up. This is in the history books. This is not just coming from the Bible. This is the history of Babylon. And that is a wonderful thing to know that God's history is true, not just in his word, but in human history. And I find it very particular, interesting though. That we enter the kingship of belshazzar not in his inauguration or a great victory instead in a vast opulent drunken party just compare it for one second in your bibles turn back a few pages to chapter 1 and verse 1 of daniel so chapter 5 verse 1 big banquet thousands of nobles drank wine with them Chapter 1 verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So Nebuchadnezzar is this great warrior taking control of God's people of Israel and indoctrinating them into Babylon. Chapter 5 verse 1, let me read it again, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Do you see the differences between the two kings in one line? how we are introduced to them, tells us that the kingship of Belshazzar is not really up to scratch. Really, the only thing that can be said is that he's a spoiled child of a king who's decided flattery and popularity is far more important than the kingdom itself. We're going to learn in detail uh, next week that while this party is going on, the enemies of Belshazzar are sitting outside of the walls ready to come and murder him so here he is having this great drunken party the great king belshazzar totally unaware that in 24 hours he's going to lose everything and what's belshazzar doing drink and be merry everyone because i'm king probably be wise for belshazzar to know at proverbs 16 18 wouldn't it pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, Let's head to uh, verse 2. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. Well, it wasn't enough for Belshazzar to simply throw a banquet and get a great popularity. He had to do something that would get everyone's attention, something that would get him honor as the craziest guy of them all. So while still getting drunk, he orders the gold and the silver goblets to be pulled out and used to drink from. Again, showing us that this mighty warrior of nebuchadnezzar had them but he had them in storage focus folks it doesn't matter who's coming in the door we're on god's word at the minute okay we're focusing on the fact that belshazzar is using golden and silver goblets that nebuchadnezzar won in a battle such was the kingship of belshazzar that he didn't actually do anything of any significance But the second thing that is interesting is that these are no ordinary goblets these are the goblets from the temple of god in jerusalem they were holy items belshazzar knew exactly what he was doing on one hand he was showing that he can do whatever he likes i'm the king i'm popular come and see me come and drink with me but on the other hand he was entirely mocking god what do you have against me, God? I can use what I like. They're mine. I'll drink from your holy items. Who cares what God has said in the past? It seems he's just entirely forgotten the history of Nebuchadnezzar just a few years later. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 28 on the screen says, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, what had happened with Nebuchadnezzar, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they not ought to be done. Do you see what happens here? Belshazzar, who cares about Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar who? And so Belshazzar then just goes, forget it, I'll do what I like. And he goes and gets these holy items and drinks from them. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, again on the screen, says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And it looks very clear that destruction is the outcome of Belshazzar's choices. Popularity, drunken parties, center of attention. What does God say, Galatians 6? It's going to bring destruction because you're focused on yourself and yourself only. Okay, back to Daniel 5 and verse 4. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze and iron and wood and stone. Well, you can just see the escalation that Belshazzar goes through, doesn't he? Drunken party, get the holy items, drink from them, now worship created things. He degrades the holy items by making them, in his mind, God. Rather than God the Creator. Psalm 135 on the screen says The idols of nations are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. The clear lesson in Psalms what are you doing worshipping wood and gold and bronze and silver? they do nothing. They can't speak. They can't feel. They can't hear. They can't see. They are created items. And what's God saying? When you worship created items, you'll be no better than them. You're not going to be able to see. You're not going to see God's plan and God's blessing. You're not going to hear God. You're not going to know God. Why? Because you have degraded him to the point of created things. Verse 5 in Daniel 5. Suddenly, "'The fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak, and his knees were knocking.'" Well, that's a twist in the story, isn't it? Can you just imagine? Pop, there's a hand. I don't think we can imagine too much. It's unbelievable a hand appears nothing else no body no head just a hand and writes on the wall near the king and it's got a profound effect on the king Belshazzar he wasn't just frightened more than that he began to lose his faculties Uh, the phrase knees were knocking Uh, one commentator said it was as if a puddle had appeared at the bottom of his feet he had lost all control of himself because this hand appears now it's actually recorded that for over 400 years the phrase the writing on the wall which means impending doom and disaster has been in the english language in fact in a recent james bond movie specter the song was called writings on the wall why because james bond was about to suffer and lose much doom was coming this is a, a phrase in the English language widely accepted by historians and those who work around education in the English language that the first time ever seen as a phrase is in Daniel 5 unbelievable isn't it we often think these phrases are just things that are made up this is the first time it's seen the writing on the wall the hand that appears from nowhere and writes on the wall uh, next week we're going to cover what actually is written, uh, but for now just know that it means destruction for Belshazzar. Verse 7, uh, the king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Uh, just like Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar wanted answers and so he went to the wise men of the world, the enchanters, the astrologers, the diviners, those that were deemed as wise in the world. As some of these individuals had witnessed the Most High God in action at the fiery furnace and heard the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. These are probably some of the similar or men and women or even their children. Yet they now stand in front of a brand new king who offers them wealth and prestige if they would interpret what's on the wall. It's interesting that Belshazzar states they would be made the third highest ruler. Why? Because his father was the highest ruler, then Belshazzar, and so all he had to offer was third. Now, I don't know about you, but third to me is two places down from winning. Um, So, I don't know how much of a big deal it was to these guys, but third is still better than last. And so, these guys were offered prestige in the kingship of Belshazzar. Verse 8. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So the king Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew pale. His nobles were baffled. Uh, Having studied four chapters with you over the last ten weeks, I think we could have predicted this reaction. Uh, Let's just show where we've been. Uh, Go to chapter 2 and verse 10 in Daniel. So just like a page or two backwards. Uh, chapter 2 verse 10 we read this Uh, the astrologers answered the king there is no one on earth who can do what the king has asked no king however great and mighty has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter astrologer what the king asks is too difficult no one can reveal it to the king except the gods and they do not live among humans now flick to chapter 4 and verse 7 same magician same enchanter same astrologers chapter 4 verse 7 when the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. It's predictable. Chapter 5 What does this mean? Tell me the words. And what do the wise men say? We don't have a clue. They're not incredibly wise men, are they? They had no idea what it even said, they didn't even know the words. They couldn't interpret the message, and that is because when a message comes from the Lord for a people in Daniel, it is God's people that needs to stand up and be counted and interpret it for him. But that leads us into verse 10. Uh, The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. "'May the king live forever,' she said." don't be alarmed, don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Uh, the, The... identity of the queen is disputed here. Uh, Some say it was the wife of Belshazzar, or sorry, the wife of Belshazzar. Others say it was more likely his mother, and still others say it's the king's grandmother, which would have been Nebuchadnezzar's wife. Um, If you didn't follow that, nor did I. Uh, When the queen refers uh, to the father uh, in these verses, your father, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, It's an often phrase used for grandfather or ancestor. So the the queen is being very clear that this goes all the way back to Nebuchadnezzar, the great king, the great ancestor. He's the one you should pay attention to. Do you notice that she bravely responds to the hand and the writing on the wall? She's not terrified. She's not losing her faculties. She doesn't look ill, and her words, to want to put it in a a simpler phrase to Belshazzar is, get a grip, man. Stop looking so ill and so bad. It's a hand, it's writing, for goodness sake. Get a grip. I think it's a grandmother, personally, uh, that the queen is. As she describes, though, a man who can give the answer, look how she describes him. A different type of spirit, a spirit of a holy God. Uh, The same language, just on the screen here, the same language is used in Genesis 41 when it says, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the Spirit of God dwells within? Uh, The word in these both verses in Daniel and in Genesis 41 uh, is the word ruah, Uh, and ruah can be translated as wind or spirit or holy spirit. And if we go to Genesis chapter 2, again on the screen it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Ruah, the breath of life. And the man became a living being. You see, man, when created, had Ruah breathed into him. The breath of God. And so when the queen describes Daniel, she describes him with Ruah. The spirit of God dwells within him. She's making it clear this is God's man. This is not your man. This is not kingdom man. This is not Belshazzar's man. This is not Nabonidus man. This is God's man. He has Ruah, the Holy Spirit dwelling within him. Verse 12. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, confusing names, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. The man with Ruah, with the breath of God, the very Spirit of God, was Daniel. Daniel, who had mind, knowledge, understanding, and an ability to interpret what was going on. It was through Daniel's ability that this riddle could be solved. And it seems, though, he had all these abilities— daniel hasn't made an appearance for 10 or 12 years since the end of chapter 4 to the beginning of chapter 5 daniel's been nowhere to be seen there's a small lesson in here just as a side note that sometimes god sidelines you until he needs you and sometimes that means you'll go through a time of quiet where you're behind the scenes and you're not the name that's out the front Because God has a specific plan for you coming up. Now, 12 verses. I'm not going to tell you this morning what the uh, handwriting said. I'm not going to tell you what happened with the hand or Belshazzar. You have to come back next week for that. Uh, But what I want to do is take these 12 verses and see some of the lessons that we can have in our everyday life this week. And I just have a few lessons, not going to take long to go through. Uh, But the first one is be careful who you follow. Be careful who you follow. In verse 1, we are told a thousand people attended the great banquet of Belshazzar. They followed the king. They honored the king. They even wanted to be like the king. And if they couldn't be around him more, Then they'll get into his good books so that he would invite them to more and more situations now i don't think it's really hard in our current society to see the same thing happening now everywhere you look there are envy inducing people that we want to be around be like watch and just get in on their lives now i'm going to list some of these please don't think i watch all of these or know anything about these Um, keeping up with the kardashians rich kids of Asia, the only way is Essex, made in Chelsea, billionaire heirs, all programs on on TV, all that grab the attention. Look at my money, my wealth, my friends, my empire. Don't you want to be like me? Don't even look like me. Just in a news story recently, a woman had spent 110,000 pounds on plastic surgery to look like Meghan Markle. Now we laugh, Every one of us is doing it in another way, aren't we? What's your TV program? What's, what's your movie? Who's your best friend that you're trying to be like and be around? In an age of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, it's about how many followers we have and how many people will, will shout our name when we walk into a room. We'll do things so that we'll get more followers. <laughs> Truth is mocked sanity is lost and morals are degraded to the point of well if it'll get me a follower I'll do it what's the one of those weird latest crazes of letting your car drive on its own and standing outside dancing as it drives next to you what a stupid thing let's be honest with ourselves isn't it but it gets followers doesn't it the problem is when we read Belshazzar's great drunken party we forget that we're in the same thing right now. Uh, Romans 12.2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. As Christians, we are not to live like Belshazzar and the massive followings of this world we're not to endlessly follow and envy whoever gets the most followers. Deuteronomy 13.4. It is the Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. Who would you rather follow? Let's be honest with ourselves this morning. Who would you rather follow? Someone who has 5,000 fake Facebook friends. Let's be honest, they're not friends. Or someone who has millions of pounds through degrading themselves on a TV program. Or the God that breathes air and creates humanity. That's exactly who we follow. What is the point in followers on Facebook when you're dead? Let's be real with each other this morning. Do you really think they're going to care about you a year later? tell you who will? God. I'm trying to be real this morning, because when we see Belshazzar and his great drunken party, we don't see much of a problem with it, or we say, rubbish king, he'll be gone in a day. But we are living his life. Our main focus here at LBC has to be to make the name of Jesus known, wholeheartedly and unashamedly, and I'll tell you right now, we are not going to be popular in Lincoln for that. We're not going to make headlines. And I tell you one thing, we're not going to have an empire. But we will see the name of Jesus honored and glorified. That is the task of us as Christians. Uh, Joshua twenty-four fifteen says this, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Uh, put in another way, if you are bored, annoyed, or antagonized that we will make Jesus known in this community, and that is our focus, then go and choose something else to serve. Because we're not going to change that message. Because as for me and this church, it's going to be Jesus all the way. Amen. That is what we're here for. So if you have any interest in followers, kingdom-making, empire-making, go somewhere else, because we're not gonna do that here. We are only interested in the name of Jesus, and I don't apologize for that this morning, because that is what Jesus builds his church on, his name. That is why we're here, because of him. Belshazzar is going to learn the hard way. Trust me on that next week. He is gonna learn the hard way, I don't want us to learn the hard way. That was just point one. Point two, know when God is sending you a message. Know when God is sending you a message. Have you ever been in a situation where it's clear that God is sending you a message and you have to decide whether you're going to listen or not? Uh, Sometimes God is subtle and he directs the Spirit to just subtly touch your heart sometimes God is subtle as a brick and he brings a sledgehammer to the situation in your life I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life I distinctly remember a situation about two years ago and I had a very clear distinct thing from God and he was saying it's time to give it all to me and I remember just thinking yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to ignore that And then God brought a sledgehammer to the situation, and that wall that I had built suddenly wasn't there. It was destroyed, because when God sends a message, he sends a message. Yet in all of us, we can be like Belshazzar, desperate to find an answer, desperate to know what life is about and what God has for us, but frozen solid and filled with fear because we're going the wrong direction. A. W. Tozer said this most christians don't hear god's voice because we've already decided we aren't going to do what he says so vicky said maybe you could go out i guarantee you half this room just went yeah not me i'm too old i'm too young i don't have the money decided don't care what god says i've decided i'm not going that's the truth that's that's what happened this morning i guarantee it because i stood at the back and i thought okay so if i go for two weeks kids are going to be left behind oh maybe I take the kids no I'm not going to take the kids that's far too much and the traveling oh I don't like planes I'll just serve here I did it I know you all did it because we decide when God will get into our lives and not so the question we have this morning is God sending you a message like a hand on the wall more than that are you listening Belshazzar's party and blasphemy was hit by a sledgehammer in the form of a handwriting on the wall. What is God going to have to hit you with before you listen? Psalm 46, verse 10 says, He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. You cannot outrun God. You can't do it. Stop it because you can't do it, you're going to fail. It's just as simple as that. But God says, if you are still, I will show you who I am, and I will show you how I'll be exalted in heaven and on this earth, and I will show you my great and mighty deeds. It is time that we start being still and know our salvation in Jesus is on rock-solid ground this is God's message this morning. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. So in your Bibles, you go into New Testament, so that's the latter third of your Bibles. And Philippians, if you were here in the Colossians series, is very close to Colossians. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. If you're not quite sure where it is, make sure you can go to the contents page at the start of your Bible. You'll see the page number. Sorry, I don't have the page number. Someone might be able to shout out the page number when they get there. 1179 thank you let me just read philippians 25 this this is god's message today Let it be a sledgehammer to our life. Philippians 2 verse 5. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him The name that is above every name, and watch this that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you notice? Nothing about me, nothing about the church leadership, nothing about Lincoln Baptist Church, only Jesus. We have to get that priority sorted in our life, that God has sent us a clear message stop mucking about with people in this world and thinking they're all that important. I deal with kings like this. Look at who I am. I sent my son to die on a cross so that you could be life, life, uh, live life to the full. And I've raised him to the point where he will be exalted. And one day he will rule over all things. Do you not get the message God is saying? And that's point two, final point three. Surround yourself with biblically wise people. I loved this picture when I saw it. Please don't read it from top down. Please read it from bottom up. Okay? The Bible, our local church, God's creation, books and commentaries, internet and Twitter. Uh, Please see that society goes the other way Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that comes first. Look how small it is. Do you base your foundation on what you read on Facebook? On Twitter? You go to the internet? Do you know what the internet tells me about this verse in the Bible? Really? Try the other way around. God's word first. I love this picture. Are we not grateful for the queen in chapter 5? Her wise words to tell Belshazzar, get a grip, man. See where God is going, who in turn brings glory to God through Daniel. As Christians, we so easily stray in this model. We so easily get wrapped up on something we see online. We build a following around it. We get behind it, and we go for it, all the while not even thinking about what God is saying. And the truth is, we need wise people like the Queen in chapter 5 to remind us of who God is. Proverbs tells this on several levels— Proverbs 4:13 Take hold of instruction do not let go let, do not let go guard her for she is your life for the uh, Proverbs 11:14 for the lack of guidance a nation falls but victory is won through many advisers Proverbs 12:15 the way of the fool seems right to them but the wise listen to advice do you see that do you think you're right this morning guess what Proverbs 12:15 you're a fool because we all think we can do it on our own can't we We all think we can manage on our own and we're foolish to think that because we can so easily go this way and go top down. It's interesting, certainly in my own life, some of you will know I'm a very busy chap. Um, um, This waistcoat is getting tighter. Uh, There's various reasons for that. Uh, But one of them is um, I really just need to lose weight and get fit Um, and I need to get out and go and do it. And so you go on the internet and it says, you know, uh, beat the belly fat, five ways to do it. All you need is a five kilo dumbbell, off you go. And I'm like, great, great, I'll do that. I'm sure I've read that article about 30 times now. Uh, Nothing has yet happened. (laughs) But my advisors say, do you want to see your children grow up? Do you want to serve the church at 100 miles an hour all your life? Because to do that, you're going to be healthy you need to watch your blood pressure, you need to watch the headaches, you need to watch the weight and the cakes. This is code for please stop serving me cakes everywhere I go, or at least just a small sliver. I'm a fool to think I can figure this out on my own. Uh, Let me be very clear this morning. I am not talking about those who seem wise and may be quite offensive at this point, who have gray hair and think their age gives them wisdom. I'm talking about the individuals who are wise in God's word, who come alongside you in your life and say, Let me help you and show you what the Bible says about this, and let me walk alongside you. These individuals bring great blessing to your life. I have two key ones in my life at the minute uh, Miriam she uh, is often by my side to remind me to get a grip and to know what God's Word says. I have a a pastor friend of mine who's a mentor who will deal a harsh blow to my self-pity and reminds me that God has called me to the suffering and the blessing. And these two individuals help me not become like Belshazzar and throw just a great party and do what I like. Let me encourage you this morning, have those people around you. If you don't have any, come and see me. Let me be that person for you. If I'm not right for you, come and see me and we'll get you someone that would be right for you because we want you around biblically strong people so that when you go out into this world and you declare what is important, you have people advising you and helping you. Just three lines left. What we learn in the first 12 verses of chapter five is that Jesus is on the throne. Not you, not me, just Jesus. It is he who we follow. It is his name we lift high. It is Jesus we listen to and Jesus whom we serve. And as Tim Keller says, he says, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Don't get to that point where Jesus has to blow a sledgehammer through your life for you to realize that. As for me and this church, we will serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.